Hey everyone, welcome back to Slumber Party Cinema Club. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Katie. And uh, we are coming to you actually a little bit earlier than the posting date. We are coming to you from May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. It is the way, as I kept responding to everyone at work today who was wishing me that. Ah, damn, I should have done that. <laughs> it was great. I was rep- I was presenting to our team of communicators, like all communicators in the company were on this call. So it was like 300 people or so. And I had to present a small thing that's happening at, our, our, at work uh, right now that I'm working on. And um, I asked before I got on there on the call, like before it started, I asked the host, I was like, hey, is, is my, my baby Yoda t-shirt permittable today? And she was like, oh, I think it's like spirit wear at school. Like, absolutely. <laughs> so I presented to our entire communications department wearing my um, ALA shirt that I got that has baby Yoda. And it's like the old Reed posters that you would oh, yeah, see. Yeah. yeah. So it's got him. It's like a baseball jersey. He's, it's like him. He's sitting there with his book and a little <laughs> ball and a cup of soup next to him. <laughs> I've got one of those in like coffee cup form, but it's Princess Leia. And it says, it says Reed. It's our only hope. Ooh, I like it. And I, I wore a Star Wars t-shirt to the gym today, this morning. And I uh, saw another yeah. person, like another person working out, also wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. And I would be like, hey, but then I worry <laughs> about like being creepy. Cause I just, I don't know, in my head, I do this all the time when we're out. And sometimes Kyle is like, Katie, you need to chill. But Sometimes I'm always like, oh, if someone's wearing like a t-shirt or something that's like something I know or is also an interest I share, I just think like, hey, friend. And, you know, not everyone's like that. Oh, yeah. Like I I definitely scared some poor man in the street of uh, South Norwalk, Connecticut, uh, because he was wearing a t-shirt that had a very obscure, not a very obscure, but like a lesser known, always sunny in Philadelphia reference on it. And I like stopped him in the street. I had nothing sunny in Philadelphia on me. He just had to believe me when I was like, fuck yeah, rum ham. (laughs) It would be so funny if that like, wasn't even his shirt. It was just like something that he borrowed from someone. Like like, he's coming home from a one night stand. It was just like a a sweatshirt he found in the girl's closet. (laughs) Yeah. And then some other chick on the street is just yelling, what fucking rum ham? What the shit does that mean? I have no clue what this means. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I didn't even do the Danny DeVito, like, call of anguish about rum ham when they're, like, floating out in the middle of the ocean or so they think. A la uh, Tom Wilson yelling, or Tom Hanks yelling for Wilson in Castaway. Yep. The good news um, is that we have a new season of Always Sunny coming up in June. So I'm going to be the most obnoxious person in the world. <laughs> that was another thing. Wait, I was also quoting that at work uh, this week because uh, we were quoting like when uh, Frank is doing the like artist thing. I forget what episode that is, but he goes into the gallery and he's just like, bullshit, bullshit, derivative. <laughs> <laughs> So then me and my one coworker were just responding to each other on teams. Like anytime we were talking about saying like with the at Danny Vito, like face with him with the wig on, no one else <laughs> knew what the fuck we were doing. <laughs> and the one thing he picks out, that's like, this is art is like the space heater. Yeah. It's like an air conditioner. Or space yeah. Heater it's like an air yeah. purifier or something. Yeah. 
<laughs> he throws it in the shopping cart. Um, yeah, no. So actually, uh, they have a podcast and I love listening to it. Uh, they took a break while they were filming uh, the new season, but now they're back. And um, this past week they were talking about, uh, I believe it was the episode where the waitress is getting married to the guy from high school who's just pulling a massive prank on all of the girls that bullied him in high school. And they were talking, what was really interesting though, is like, this is why I like listening to this podcast because it's the three guys and they were talking about how, about breakups. And so it sort of turned into this conversation. They really didn't talk about the episode very much, but they did talk about like the pain that you feel when someone rejects you or when you have to say goodbye to a relationship has Mm -hmm. more to do with missing the feeling of being desired by somebody than it does missing the person you're breaking away from. And I don't know, this is like this week's like the one year mark of my big breakup last year. And it was just the perfect timing, like to the day anniversary of that breakup. I was listening to that episode. They dropped that episode. And it was just the perfect timing for that sentiment to be given because it was like, oh yeah, I don't really miss this person. I just miss the sensation and the romance and the feeling of someone else desiring me the way that that person used to. So like as silly and stupid as the show can be sometimes. And there are (laughs) like key moments in the show that are beautiful, like Mac coming out and that whole dance routine is still one of the, I think one of the best things I've ever seen on an FX show. Mm -hmm. Um, But like there is like, there is like depth to the people who make the show. Oh yeah, absolutely. You could not write a show like that unless you were, you know, a thoughtful person. And they actually have two movies coming out on the same day. So Glenn Howerton's in a movie about the making of Blackberry and he's got a a hole in the bowl, bald patch. It's going to be great. And then (laughs) um, Charlie Day is doing a movie that's his own movie. I guess he filmed it, most of it in 2019 and they just didn't get to finish it because of of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's called Fool's Paradise where he sort of plays this man who gets mixed up and eventually ends up becoming a star uh, on the Hollywood scene. And so I guess, I guess some of the always sunny crew makes an appearance um, because it was supposed to be this pretty small film, but a whole bunch of big actors wanted to be involved. So. Oh, cool. I still need to see that one film he did with like, uh, Jenny Slate, that like rom-com. I you need to. Yeah. 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 Anyways, today is May 4th. And today, guess what? We are talking about Star Wars. And we're going to try. So I assume slash would love if we eventually do all the Star Wars movies. So today we're going to try to keep our discussion just to the very first Star Wars movie to ever come out in a theater. The year was 1977 and it was Star Wars episode five, A New Hope. Or sorry, episode four, A New Hope. Jesus, fake fan over here. (laughs) Yes, but remember when it first came out in theaters, all it was known as was Star Wars. They added the rest of it on after they made the sequels. Right. I remember as a kid seeing Star Wars and like knowing that it was, you know, episode four, episode five, episode six. So it's like you're joining the story already in progress. Mm. Um, But like I have vague memory as a kid of there being like, oh, yeah, that George Lucas has a script like written for one, two and three. And like maybe he'll make it someday. And then there was like rumors of like a seven eight and nine like you know 
little baby thoughts of whispers of things, but you never knew. But um, Kate, when did you first get into Star Wars? How did you get into Star Wars? I am a latecomer. I'm a massive latecomer. I think, God, this is going to be really embarrassing, but I think I was like late high school when my mom all of a sudden realized that she had never shown her daughter a Star War. And so <laughs> we, we used our Netflix DVD mail service rental system to get Star Wars in the mail. But the nice. one she picked out was not a new hope. So I think we started with like Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. And so you were really joining a story already in progress. So I was really confused. And I remember walking away being like, I don't get what's so fun about this. But now as an adult, having seen all of the movies and having seen them a couple of times in some cases... I get what the hype is about. I, I am far from a Star Wars like super fan. I would mm-hmm. even say I'm far from being a Star Wars fan because that is one scale that I don't even get on. But I do <laughs> enjoy them. They are fun. And I'm wearing a Baby Yoda t-shirt right now. Sorry, a Grogu t-shirt. That's the other big tell, right? Um, oh, whatever. I, like I the, still say I, Baby Yoda. It's Baby Yoda. Um, but yeah, I, I still I still enjoy the properties. I enjoy the storytelling. I like that The Mandalorian is pretty much a Western serial um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And, you know, I appreciate the storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit of a fan. I, I have, you know, uh, Star Wars. I have Darth Vader tattooed on my body. I was going to say, so you, like you have a Star Wars tattoo. Yeah. I collect things. I, <laughs> you know. So I was an early adopter and the first time I saw Star Wars was when they started doing the re-releases in theaters and I think that started 1995 or 96 because they basically did one a year up until episode one of the prequels was released which I want to say was 1998 oh that's cool um and I don't recall if I ever had watched Star Wars before that but I would have been about eight years old. So I mean, probably not, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, so they re-released all the star Wars movies in theaters in the nineties. They were with, um, additional scenes like remastered yada, yada, yada. And we, none of those movies played at the movie theater in our small town. We had to drive to random ass theaters like around the state of Florida to find places to see Star Wars movies. Oh, jeez. Um, so it was a fun family quest that we went on. I think we didn't drive far, like maybe an hour away or something for like a different theater. But yeah, I got to see them. Like, I don't necessarily remember exactly like my thoughts as a kid seeing Star Wars, but I definitely remember like loving it enough that I was like, yeah, I'm into this now. And then I definitely remember going to see Empire Strikes Back and having such a crisis as a fourth grader when Han Solo got dipped into carbonite and frozen. And I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? I have to wait a whole year to find out. I waited about, I waited about a week and popped in the VHS that we had (laughs) at home. I went ahead and watched Return of the Jedi. 
Yeah, I almost want to say then, now you're jogging my memory, I want to say that maybe Empire Strikes Back was the one that we got. That was the first one I saw. Because I see, I seem to recall watching the end with Han Solo being dipped in, in stuff. And I seem to recall being like, oh, and now he becomes Indiana Jones. Because those movies, <laughs> I was a huge fan of from the time I was about 12 onward. So like, I was very, well, Harrison Ford definitely made me realize I like boys thanks to Indiana <laughs> Jones, you know, and, and also just, you know, I remember that was like one of my favorite movie series. And so seeing him younger and being in that movie and getting dipped in, in the, what was it? Anthracite, right? Carbonite. Carbonite. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> carbonite. Um, being dipped in the carbonite was like, I was like, don't worry. He survives. It's going to be indie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just knowing that the story couldn't possibly end there. Yeah. And I loved the, uh, you know, obviously I loved the love and I loved the, the moment of like Leia being like, I love you. And Han saying, I know, <laughs> you know me, you guys know, I know me you. At this point. yeah, but back to the original, the, the very first, yeah, one. it truly is. I love the fact it true that a new hope is truly a ragtag gang goes to save a princess. Yeah. It's very, uh, you know, an adventuring party gets together, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was going to say too, I, I was like, I was having a thought and I forgot what it was. And now I remember. Um, cause you said like Harrison Ford kind of turned you on to like having boy crushes. And I always say, cause like, I thought Mark Hamill was such a cutie when I was younger. And I was like, I feel like you, when you're younger, it's, it's Luke. And then when you get older, it's Han. You know, I would say that, except there's also this pirate me that's like, I was also very much more into Jack Sparrow than I was Will Turner. So I think that my taste just skewed to be more of the older. I won't yeah. don't say more mature just because Jack Sparrow is definitely more immature than Will Turner. <laughs> For sure. Um, and even even Han Solo is less mature than than Luke in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, like I, I think it's also just a matter of taste. Like, do you like the you know, wide-eyed newbie to the group or do you like the dark rapscallion that's you know flying yeah. the ship maybe i'm just like a true gemini like always sort of straddling both sides because mm. i also was like well i really like orlando bloom like he was one of my like main men high school crushes but i was also into like a johnny depp jack sparrow so yeah. I well, guess. and you also, ha- you also though had, cause I didn't, well, no, actually that's a lie. I watched Lord of the Rings at a sleepover in like sixth grade. And I think I fell asleep halfway through cause it was late and we'd been drinking a lot of Pepsi blue. So I came on the sugar crash. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But like you, you also have him in, well, and actually that's another good dichotomy, right? You, you had your Legolas girls and you had your Aragorn, Aragorn girls, right? Yeah, see, I became the arrogant girl when I grew up, so. But you were saying that Mark Hamill was, like, your go-to. Yeah, Mark Hamill was definitely my crush after I saw the first uh, first Star Wars movie. I thought he was handsome. I was very into, like, the good guy heroes, and I was very into the, like, I want to get out of my small town and, you know, see something better and be a part of this fight against the empire and this and that. 
Um, I thought it was very relatable. And geez, I also loved Princess Leia too. Like, I think Princess Leia was the first princess that I felt like I could really relate to, even as a little girl, because I was like, she is, she's hanging with the boys. She's holding her own. She's got attitude. Like, she's not just sort of sitting back and being a damsel in distress. And like, I appreciated those qualities. I didn't really understand why as like a little kid that I did appreciate that more than maybe just like Cinderella or Belle or like any of the Disney movies I had grown up, even though I liked them, Mm -hmm. I never related to those heroes because it always felt like a level of perfection that I could never achieve or like didn't necessarily want it. sorry didn't necessarily want to achieve like Mm. I was always you know like back in the day they used to refer to it as like tomboy I was always a tomboy as a kid like and I wanted to like be with the guys more because I could see like the social divide of like males get to be more involved in things and get more attention and recognition. Mm -hmm. I was picking up on that as an early age. And so I always wanted to be where the boys were. Uh, And I think that's why I was like really attracted, like attracted to, yes, but also (laughs) (laughs) like attracted to who Princess Leia was at a person as a person and wanting to like emulate that and be that kind of person Mm, mm -hmm. it's almost like you're saying that representation matters yeah I it's it's weird I know who thought (laughs) who'd have thought but no I think that's that's a really good point because I mean like and and really now I remember when when Disney bought uh Star Wars and they took them under their big big mouse hat um and people started like saying oh my gosh Leia is now a Disney princess. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's because Leia became quote unquote a Disney princess, but what's been nice is that in recent years, we've seen Disney embrace that kind of heroine in their movies and their storytelling more than before. Right. So we are seeing more Leia's. There's a lot more Leia than there is Cinderella these days in, in the stories that we're seeing be told. Yeah. And like, I think that you know, there's not necessarily anything wrong with like the princess love stories because it's like (laughs) when you watch Frozen, it's like Anna is still sort of in the middle of her love story while like doing everything else, but there's just like more to it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I I know you love love, right? I do Uh, love love. But yeah, exactly. Like there is some, like there is still like a value to having those love stories, especially when we, we have stories like frozen with Mm -hmm. like Anna dealing with a romance. That's not going well. (laughs) Um, it's not the right match and that her life doesn't end just because it's not the right match. So, um, swinging it back to star Wars. Um, we have our main character, Luke Skywalker, who was originally uh, known as Luke star killer. That's right. I do remember that piece of of trivia. Yep. George Lucas changed it. Um, He is this small town boy. He's basically just a, he lives on his uncle and aunt's farm. Um, His parents are dead. 
he's a moisture farmer out in the deserts of Tatooine. It's super boring there. All of his friends are gone. They've all, you know, joined up with the war against the empire and the rebels in one way or another. And he's sort of left behind and he is like constantly begging his uncle to let him go join the flight academy. He wants to be a pilot like his father was. And his uncle's like, no, no, I need you. I need you as a farmhand. Keeps holding him back. Luke, teenage Luke, he's probably about 18 years old, is understandably frustrated. But we kind of suss out as the story moves along that his uncle and aunt are just trying to protect him from things that he doesn't know about his family's past, but kind of soon start revealing themselves with the arrival of two droids into their lives, uh, C-3PO and R2-D2, played by Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker, the best married couple, one of the best married couples you ever see in a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Statler and Waldor- Waldorf of uh, sci-fi, yeah. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, But there are... One thing I will stop on. So, you know, the scene where Uncle Owen is buying the droids, is buying C-3PO and R2-D2. He originally purchases C-3PO, but then he purchases a different droid that's standing next to R2 that is R4-D5. And there's a lot of, and then R4-D5 self-destructs. And that's how R2-D2 gets to kind of like slip in stay with C-3PO, continue his mission on Tatooine because he's there for a reason. They don't just end up there. C-3PO thinks they they do, but R2-D2 is a trusted spy more or less and is on a mission to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. But anyways, there are a lot of theories um, about how R4-D5 self-destructs. And one of the theories that I think is really interesting is that R4-D5 was inhabited by the spirit of a Jedi that knows about R2-D2's mission or like R2 somehow communicates it to him. So he essentially like uh, sacrifices himself so that R2 can continue his mission. Maybe this is my non-fandom showing through, but like I didn't realize that Jedis could like spiritually inhabit droids. I mean, why the hell not? Yeah, sure. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if the, it's based on anything, just a theory that I out that I think is really insane. I personally, it's not anything that's necessarily canon or scripts, or I don't even necessarily think it comes from any of the novelizations. Um, but I think it's an interesting theory. I, I personally is, just yeah. think that it was maybe like a stroke of luck. That. Yeah, I, I've always read as a deus ex machina where it's just like, we need something to happen for this to, to happen. Yeah. So uh, R2 and C-3PO end up in the possession of Luke. And while Luke is sort of cleaning them up, getting them ready to like basically be additional farmhands on this moisture farm, he stumbles across a secret message from Princess Leia, and it has that famous line that we all know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. 
And, you know, this is the first time we see Luke uh, definitely creeping on the sister, even though <laughs> he doesn't know that he, that's his twin yet. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, my favorite is later on in the movies when uh, it comes clear and Han Solo get, you know, like Harrison Ford has this look on his face like he remembers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Originally. And this always bothers me as like a writer because, because like, I always like to think that if you're planning, you know, a multi-movie story or whatever, you should sort of have a broad strokes outline of like large plot points, like secret plot twists, um, this and that. Like when fucking Lost ended, I didn't even watch that show. And I will never watch that show because they admitted the at the end of it, they were like, yeah, we didn't know what the island was the entire time. We just sort of figured it out as we went along. And like, <laughs> again, all for letting things happen organically, like as you write, but like knowing what like sort of the main setting, main plot device of your fucking story is like, come on. Um, you you would think, right? I mean, especially like same thing sort of goes. They had five books to work for from for Game of Thrones, but then when you find mm-hmm. out that the showrunners that were doing Game of Thrones had zero experience running a television show before then, and by the end we're just like, well, we got to finish this thing up. The money's going to run out. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, go in with a plan. There are books about this. I'm reading one right now called Story Genius. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so my point in all that was to say that like in this original script there, they had like George Lucas had not necessarily planned for Luke and Leia to be siblings, let alone twins. And also just to take it one step further, there was no plan that Darth Vader was going to be their father um, or like Luke's father, which you kind of like can tell because there's like a little bit of retcon in this movie when Obi-Wan and Luke are chatting uh Obi-Wan says like uh Vader betrayed and murdered your father Mm -hmm. and it's like definitely at that point you can tell that those those were supposed to be like two different people yeah um and then, like, later on, he's sort of like, well, I meant it metaphorically. <laughs> you know? Like, all right. But I will say an interesting thing about this. I was reading a recent article that came out um, that was about the Star Wars sequel that never happened. Ooh. Um, you mean apart from, like, the seven other movies we got? <laughs> Yeah. More than that. Was it 10 now? I think we're up to, no, we're up to 11 movies, full movies. So we have nine in the Skywalker saga. We have Han Solo. And, and Rogue One. And Rogue One. Don't forget is, Rogue One. That's my favorite. The, I, I was going to say that's the best Star Wars in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no. Um, so basically the plan was like nobody ever expected uh this movie to be a success like even George Lucas was kind of like I don't know if this is going to do well he he was actually so um like pessimistic about the whole thing that 
he didn't even go to the premiere. Him and Steve Spielberg fucked off to Hawaii and went on vacation. <laughs> and that's actually when they came up with uh, Indiana Jones. Well, thank but, God for that. Yeah, so not too bad of a thing. But anyways, so the plan was, okay, the movie is probably going to bomb. But George Lucas is like, I will probably have just enough money for a sequel to like close out the story and, you know, be pretty low budget. So there was a novelization written of like what the movie was going to be by an author called Alan Dean Foster. Um, And it was called Splinter of the Mind's Eye. In part of the story in Splinter of the Mind's Eye was originally Darth Vader was going to be, um, instead of Luke's father, was going to be Luke's older brother Mm. who killed their father. Okay. Um, Which I think is interesting because like we do actually sort of see that happen with Kylo Ren and Han Solo in like yeah. Yeah. the um the sequel trilogy. Um but yeah, there's a lot of different plot aspects that sort of like from Splinter of the Mind's Eye that sort of like pop up. Well, and did that author continue working on stuff for them? Like I know there's a whole bunch of Star Wars books. So did he go on to write any of those or anything? I don't know if he ever wrote any of uh, any others. And then there's like the whole thing with like Star okay, Star Wars novels. Like there's a whole bunch of novels that came out that now are just like essentially fan fiction. They're not canon anymore because of like the sequel trilogy that mm-hmm, came out. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he worked on anything else, but he definitely said like in the um, interview and I'll post it online so everybody can kind of read it. I got a kick out of it. He says he enjoys like seeing things from the novel still being used. Um, Hmm, Yeah. But like some of the stuff was like there was maybe going to be more of a love triangle with uh Princess Leia and Mark and Princess Leia and Mark Hamill. <laughs> Sorry, Princess Leia <laughs> and Luke um, and Han. Um, but then he was also told that like he had to write out Han Solo and Chewbacca because Harrison Ford had not yet signed on to do another movie. Forgetting, am I remembering this correctly? But like, I seem to recall that Harrison Ford was like not exactly like thrilled to be doing the project. Yeah, he kind of I I feel like I remember that too. Like he wanted to be killed off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he eventually got his wish. Yeah, I was, it just took a couple of decades. Yeah, I was still really surprised when he comes back in uh, for that little spot in uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, because I mean, like he's 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 got some like good stuff in that movie. In fact, I think he was my favorite part of. Well, yeah, because wait, he dies in Force Awakens, right? Yeah yeah towards the end of force awakens that's right yeah yeah like he was the best like Um, for me he was like one of my my favorite parts of that movie although i am a huge fan of daisy ridley and of john boyega in that movie like i just love the two of them i wish we had gotten better treatment later on in the in the films for those two characters yeah same and can i just say going back to fucking lost and fucking writing your broad strokes of your story jj mm-hmm. goddamn abrams 
Sorry, I'm about to slander J.J. Abrams, y'all. So if you hate that, skip ahead a few seconds. <laughs> but J.J. <laughs> Abrams was like, I don't know where the story is going. <laughs> like, And like, I want to say he even admitted when he uh, wrote the script for Rise of uh, Skywalker, he hadn't seen The Last Jedi, the movie that preceded it. Which is it. absolute bullshit because I'm so, okay, first off, how can you write a sequel to a movie that you haven't seen yet? And also like Ryan Johnson, I know there are people who hate The Last Jedi and I agree there are some weak spots in that movie. The imagery and the direction and just the set design, production design of that movie is phenomenal. And yeah. also I loved where he was going with Ray being truly a nobody who just so happens to be able to use the force. Same. And it's funny too. So like this, this author, Alan Dean Foster, is that what mm-hmm. I said? Dean Alan yep. Foster. Alan Dean name. Foster. Alan Dean Foster. Thank I've got you. his Wikipedia up right now, actually. And he did go on to write um, some of the books for Star Wars. Um, oh, he wrote sweet. the, yeah, he wrote the novelization of the first sequel trilogy. So the, the Force Awakens, he wrote the novelization of it. He also did a prequel era novel called The Approaching Storm. And because Star Wars wasn't enough, he also did some Star Trek stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. See, side note, I never got into Star Trek because I was such a Star Wars kid that I and I was always like, no, I love Star Wars, so I can't love Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, there's always like I have my Star Wars and my Star Trek friends they're very separate. I've tried Star Trek. I liked the Chris Pine movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first one, that's all I saw. Um, for the most part though, like, I think it's just like, I have the time to devote to rewatching all seven seasons of Mad Men. I do not have the time to devote to watching 87 seasons of Star Trek. Yeah. And various spinoffs. And various spinoffs. Yeah. 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 I liked the, um, the two or there were three Crest Pine movies. I think I only saw the first two. I liked those. I think so. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, what I was going to say was, uh, Alan Dean Foster even has said that like the movies need to like move away from like Skywalkers and empire versus Republic. They need to be doing more stuff like Andor and like Mandalorian and like exploring, other stories in the universe and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah I still haven't seen Andor I need to watch that I hear it's like Star Wars meets the West Wing so I'll like I'm so 100% in yeah I'm cool with that yeah. that's like and speaking of the books I've only read like a couple Star Wars books um but I read one that is about Princess Leia it's called Bloodlines it's by Claudia Gray Um, And it takes place after Return of the Jedi, but maybe like, I want to say like maybe a decade before The Force Awakens. It's basically like the end of the novel is more or less the kickoff of like the second resistance. Oh, interesting. Um, Okay. It's really good though. I think you would enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. I'll Um, check that out. I do want to talk about the, the cast for this movie. One thing that's always gotten me about this, um, about uh, A New Hope is the fact that James Earl Jones is technically uncredited for doing the voice of Darth Vader. Yeah, because it was played by Dave Prowse um, Mm -hmm. physically, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And so like the, I, I think possibly one of the most iconic things about Star Wars, James Earl Jones doing the voice of Darth Vader um, is not, he didn't even get credit for the first one. Yeah. Um, not to justify anything, but like, you know, you think about it, it's 1977. He's a black actor. Like, you know, the racism was way worse. It still exists now, but was way worse back then. So it's like stupid, but not unsurprising that he did not get the credit that he deserved. Yeah. I think there was also just this feeling like the voice actors don't get credit. I mean, how many Disney movie credits do you see that actually have voice credits in them from that time period or before? That's true. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, yes, 100%. The only black person involved in the cast of Star Wars is just doing a voice. Yeah. That's why it was so yeah. important to have people like John Boyega who show up for the sequels mm-hmm. and Samuel L. Jackson for the prequels. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't any black people uh, visibly in the first three Star Wars movies. No, plenty of people of other colors, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> who are potentially played by people of color, but their skin is covered. So mm-hmm. who knows? Um, but yeah, so the cast, I mean, like, but you also get people like Alec Guinness, who is, you know, at that time was known for doing things like The Bridge Over the Wild, River Kwai. Um, he's in one of my favorite movies, Murder by Death, playing the yeah, blind he, butler. He was an actor. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. And so doing Star Wars, I seem to recall he also was like, this is a bit of a joke. Um, but you know, just how he, he came in for that. Um, and then I love Peter Cushing. I know usually like, I will probably have to talk to a great extent, um, about the, I know we've already talked a little bit about the universal horror movies and stuff. Um, Peter Cushing was like, classic war right he did like the curse of frankenstein um he did a number of the dracula movies that came out um but he being like vader's right hand man for most of the movie um just wonderful well he i would say he's more of the main villain of the movie like you know vader's the one that's sort of like he's uh he's got vader on a leash you know Mm, i suppose yeah i guess you're right yeah um, yeah, Moff Tarkin. Yeah, Grand Moff Tarkin. And I know, like him and uh, Carrie Fisher got along really well. And like, apparently, he was just a very sweet person, and it was very hard for her to act like she hated him. Yeah, that's. And what's fun is like hearing things about like some of the classic Universal actors, um, like Vincent Price. Apparently, was one of the most remarkable human beings ever in Hollywood history. Yeah, I've heard that too. I've read that too. Oh my God, my brain just had like a weird intrusive thought, but I was thinking about the scene with like Grandma Tarkin and uh, Princess Leia when like they first sort of meet and she says, I thought I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Um, And I just remember like through that whole scene and I think the entire time she's like a captive of the empire she has perfect fucking lip gloss <laughs> yeah and she wasn't aware to wear a bra in space either yeah yeah what was that quote that like Carrie Fisher said that like everyone was quoting when she passed away yeah. Um, well, so the, the backstory for this, of course, is George Lucas told her that um, she couldn't wear a bra under her her um, 
her costume because uh, the the elastic would technically strangle her in space, right? Um, yeah. And so one of when she passed away, there was a story that came out from Wishful Drinking, which was uh, one of her. It was a one woman show that she later adapted into a book. Um, and uh, I believe, let me find it. I have it. Okay, here's the quote. What happens is you go to space, you become weightless. So far, so good, right? But then your body expands, but your bra doesn't. So you get strangled by your own bra. Now, I think that would make for a fantastic obit. So I tell my younger friends that no matter how I go, I want reported that I drowned in moonlight, strangled by my own bra. Iconic. Now, uh, just for the record, when I did zero gravity training, um, I was wearing a sports bra and I was fine. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know for any... uh potential future space travel for us and our listeners. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sports bras are fine. Underwire bras, maybe not. Maybe not, but those are never good. <laughs> yeah. Also just like fucking be comfortable. Um, since this is maybe way too TMI, but fuck it. I mean, literally since the pandemic, m- my boobs are hanging out in sports bras 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever since I didn't have to be in an office every single day, the sports bras make far more of an appearance hmm yeah it's just life is just better that way yeah. at least for me <laughs> well and I also do want to bring up um so earlier today Katie and we'll share this in fact I think we've already shared this on our um our Twitter but uh the Muppets account so remember that uh Jim Henson actually had a pretty heavy hand in Star Wars uh, mm-hmm. Yoda was a Jim Henson creation mm-hmm. and um at the time and I'm sure there are some Muppet history fans out there who know this too. Um, they did a full episode of the Muppet show with the Star Wars with Mark Hamill. And they oh, themed yeah. it all to be Star Wars. I forgot about a, that. Yeah. So, and they did it right before one of the sequels came out, right before uh, either the episode five or episode six came out. And the mm-hmm. problem was that they had um, Mark Hamill dressed in a uniform that was a costume from the new movie that hadn't released yet. Mm-hmm. And so there's even a quip when they're doing the pigs in space bit with Mark mm-hmm. Hamill. One of the pigs, I think it's, oh, what was his name? Link Heartthrob, I think was the name of the pig, <laughs> um, asks Mark where he got his uniform. And the whole thing was like about the fact that this was something that no one had seen Luke Skywalker Walker wear yet. And there mm-hmm. had been, it's not like when you're on Twitter and you see the first still drop from Timothy Chalamet being Willy Wonka, right? Right. Where <laughs> it's know, like, here are the first images of first Lawrence images you in Dune and the new mm-hmm. Dune movie. Yeah. And like that just that was not really truly a thing um, that most people were aware of. And so like the Muppet show sort of took that on that episode. You also had Miss Piggy uh, as Princess Leia. And it's just wonderful. Of course. Of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, no, that's so cute. We definitely need to like repost that for everyone who didn't see it. Yeah, um, Kermit's nephew, Robin, uh, recounts Star Wars movies and he explains what happens in them and it's adorable. Yeah, he should recap all movies, I think, because mm-hmm. it's amazing. <laughs> Maybe we can get him be a guest on the podcast. Oh my God. You know, that is always like my measure for like, you are the most famous you can actually be as if you are like invited to be a part of of like a Muppets gig like that's the height of fame (laughs) truly right well and that's what it was I know way too much about the Muppets um 
<laughs> when the show when the show was happening uh the muppet show was happening when they first started filming it they were doing it in london um mm-hmm. because it was cheaper there and no one was really paying for it in the u.s and so all of a sudden they became the hottest ticket because the show became so popular they became the hottest ticket for celebrities to be on and so if you were on the muppet show it truly did mean you had made it yeah, I definitely think that. I was thinking about that when I watched that new like Muppets Halloween special that came out, I think in mm. what, 2020, 2021. Yeah, I think it was 2020 or 2021. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so um, Jim Henson, you know, we love the Muppets, um, but also just the fact that he had a lot to do with what Star Wars looks like now. Um, and I think that's something I like so much. I mean, there are some jokes from the new season of The Mandalorian about what it looks like when Grogu force jumps. Oh, it yeah. just looks like someone yeeted the puppet, um, <laughs> which is fine. I think that's like part of the charm. I think that's why I love <laughs> yeah. it so much. It's um, goofy because, and cute. Yeah, because like when they first made the first season, The Mandalorian, the showrunners mm-hmm. were like, oh, we're just going to, you know, here's the the like the bouncing ball. Everyone follow that. We're going to CGI Grogu in later. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone had developed a puppet. And I guess... Uh, <laughs> It was uh, Werner Herzog. Yeah. I would like to see as a baby um, (laughs) who had possibly an even cooler, literally and figuratively line um, of saying, of pretty much looking at them and saying, you are cowards. Yeah. He was like, commit to the puppet. Commit to the puppet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because they were doing both. And he was like, yeah, he was like, commit to the puppet. And that's why it's so goddamn cute. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's a puppet. (laughs) And, like, going back to that, like, this movie and the original uh, trilogy, it was, like, a pioneer of practical effects, like, using miniatures, Mm -hmm. using matte paintings. It's amazing. And that was, like, one of, definitely one of the, like, disappointing things about, like, the prequel series is, like, you get to, like, all that CGI. And, like, CGI then even was in, like, such an experimental phase like movies were really kind of relying on it way too much as like a new technology it's something that like hasn't held up over time I would say kind of some of the only CGI using movies that you can kind of go back and watch and they still look pretty decent are like Weta workshop movies like Lord of the Rings and stuff Mm -hmm. Um, but it looks so dated now and like the movies uh the the original trilogy are a little bit timeless because of all those like practical effects and stuff yeah Um, well and and i think we've talked about this on the pod too i mean the prequels happened at a time where it became cheaper to do things cgi but cgi still wasn't good Mm-hmm, exactly and so it was it was in that like dead zone space where they just hadn't gotten there and i think it's interesting that we're starting we're starting to i don't know if i want to say we're getting lazy with cgi but we're starting to use it so much that it's going back to looking ridiculously fake and i'm thinking about like some of the stills we see from the marvel movies these days which yeah. i'm seeing guardians on saturday you know so next time we pod <laughs> i'm sure we'll talk about guardians 3 but like you see like what used to be just so freaking cool in the guard in like the the marvel movies mm-hmm. has started just become trite and it's getting tired and i'm i think that's like why certain things like especially the the tv series that we see 
um, Loki is one of the ones I can think of the most is that they have these phenomenal set pieces that mm-hmm. are quite clearly real as opposed to the actors in a green screen room where they painted it in later. Yeah. Yeah. That's always so wild to me when I see like behind the scenes, because I don't necessarily like notice it as much when I'm watching it, when it comes to like sets and backgrounds, but like, yeah, when you see those behind, like you see that behind the scene footage of, you know, Avengers movies or whatever. And it's like, they're supposed to be on the streets of New York right now, but they're just like, yeah, in a green screen studio. And there's like a couple real set pieces, but even those are sort of like enhanced digitally in post-production. Yeah, it's like we're, Tommy Wiseau, when he made The Room, was predicting the future in that he had everyone doing green screen to simulate the rooftop in San Francisco even though they were technically in a warehouse in San Francisco. What's that new movie he has coming out, like Great Big Shark or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for it? I have not watched the trailer yet. I need to, though. You should. It's a good laugh. Yeah. I feel like I'll probably end up watching that movie at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be a night. We'll We'll have to do a special episode of The Room and that. I'm an ironic fan of the room. I've been to like the midnight screenings at the music box. And like, I, I saw the disaster artist and I read the book. Uh, yep. I've got the book on my shelf right over there right now. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, but, um, but back to star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the other, uh, cool things that like I wanted to bring up of things that I've read. We all know that Mark Hamill, is a national treasure. And I want to say this story kind of popped up around Star Wars Day maybe last year and it you know makes its rounds. But people were questioning is Luke Skywalker gay? And I mean based on his reactions to his sister, I would say that like maybe he's bi or pan. I would I would assume that maybe everyone in the in well, I guess it's not the future, but in like galaxies far, far away are probably like pansexual or something. But anyways, um, but Mark Hamill's sort of answer to this was because he said he had like fans talking to him or like would write him and say like share stories of being worried about like coming out, but then seeing the character of Luke and wondering if Luke is gay and all this. And Mark Hamill's answer to that was kind of just like, if you think he is, then he is. Oh, I remember that now. It's just, that's, that's how you do it. Yeah. Perfect answer. Like that's for you. If you think he's gay. Yep. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's like, so nice and encouraging. And, you know, obviously there's idiots out there that would be like, nah, blah, but well, they're the same people that had an issue with a black stormtrooper. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> I always laugh because my mom will say like, oh, Mark Hamill didn't really make it. Did he? She likes to use the word make it quote, quote for like someone got really famous. And my mom doesn't realize that like, Mark Hamill became an incredibly prolific voice actor. Like that's just oh, out yeah. of her scope. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, but I would say even without the voice acting, I think Mark Hamill 
similar to people like Rupert Grint and Emma Watson to some extent, I would say that they didn't need other projects to assume a level of fame that so few people attain. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I know that we've got Daniel Radcliffe and other things. Um, congratulations to to D Rad being a new dad. Oh my god, he's, he's now, a new dad. He's Shut a new up. dad. Yeah. Oh his my god, just had a baby. That's yeah. so fucking cute. Uh, congratulations, Dad Rad. Uh, <laughs> dad Rad. Rad. I remember Grint's got a couple of kids too. Apparently, um, but yeah. So, but like. They they became famous and for playing a single role, uh, similar to Mark Hamill, where it was just like they never needed to do another thing because they are probably better known than a lot of actors who are in tons of stuff, just yeah. because they're playing an iconic character that everyone knows. And I think right. that if Harry, I don't know, we know that like Carrie Fisher went on and she did a whole bunch of stuff. She became a prolific writer. We know that you know Harrison Ford. Obviously, we talked about Indiana Jones, but he went on to do a number of great films. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that if they hadn't gone and done that, Carrie Fisher might be a little bit of a, a red herring just because she's Hollywood royalty. But, right. um, you know, like if Harrison Ford hadn't gone on to do all the other movies, do you think he would be as beloved as Mark Hamill today for just having done Star Wars? I would say that I feel like Harrison Ford is more beloved for being Indiana Jones than he is for being Han Solo. Okay. Um, yeah, I would but agree. I would also, yeah, I would also say that like, if you're looking at at it from the like my mom perspective, like Harrison Ford would be the one that had the most success because he did like the most movies and stuff afterwards. Like, mm. like Carrie Fisher was in some movies, but largely she was just like writing and doing like other sort of Hollywood related projects, even though she's incredibly successful in her own right. She wasn't sort of that like in front of camera success that Harrison Ford was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like he's kind of like, even though like Han Solo is an important and iconic role, I feel like Indiana Jones was more of his kind of. Yeah. That's who he is. That's why people love him. And he's just like everyone's favorite curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched Shrinking yet? Mm-mm, no, I haven't. Okay. You will we'll have to talk about Shrinking if you start watching it. Um, because okay. when you say beloved curmudgeon, absolutely 100%. <laughs> just Shrinking alone is Harrison Ford at his most beloved curmudgeon. <laughs> Well, I just think about like when he goes to like fan events and stuff for Star Wars and people will ask him like really complicated off questions about uh, Han Solo and he'll just be like, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite moments, because he's not a great late night guest and that's pretty well known. Huh. One of my favorites was I think it was on Conan. He was on Conan O'Brien's show and Chewie was in the audience. Chewbacca was in the audience. And started heckling him from the audience. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And they started having an argument. And at one point, Harrison Ford yells, she was my wife. Yeah. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he can play along when he wants to. Yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, I always think it's so funny when like fans want to get like really deep. Like, what do you think Han meant when he said this thing? And like, blah blah blah. He's like, I don't care. I was written on the script, so I said it. Yeah, 
<laughs> yep. He was probably doing a shit ton of cocaine, you know. Did he do cocaine? I thought, I, well, we know Carrie Fisher was. Oh, the she wrote a bunch of books. Yeah, no, I know. But the one about that was like largely about her working on A New Hope and like having the affair with Harrison Ford. Right. When she was probably too young to be involved in a relationship the, with him. Yeah. The Princess Diarist. That's what it was. That's called. right. Yeah. Yeah. I always like when I read that book, I remember thinking like, oh my God, she's like, cause it's basically like a journal. It's her journal of like her time being on that movie and stuff. And I'm like, she's fucking in star Wars. And all she can do is write about this cute guy that she likes. <laughs> and like, it's so it's funny. Cause obviously she didn't know she was in one of the greatest movies of all time. But I was like, it's also so freaking relatable to like be that age. She was like, you know, at 18, 19, something like that. Um, Do you think that maybe I like that? Let's go back to what you said about like, they didn't know they were making this masterpiece. I wouldn't even mm -hmm. say masterpiece, just this, this juggernaut that would take over American pop culture for the next mm -hmm. several decades. They didn't know. Do you think that's part of the charm of a new hope? I think so. Like, cause you can tell like, you know, from like the way everything, looks the practical effects like love was put into that movie and like art like people were doing this because they liked what they were doing not because they were there to make like you know buku bucks mm -hmm. um, and I always hear that like with a lot of movies that end up being like huge box office successes that are you know beloved films like if you ever watch I know we bring up the show um movies that made us all the time. I feel like every movie I see on that show, the people on it were always, are always like, we thought this was going to bomb. We thought it was so bad. It'd be so terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember too, like reading stories that they just like went into like the back of the theater, the three, three, you know, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, like, just went into a movie one day and went into the back of the theater and like, we're watching people watch it, not expecting anyone to be enjoying it <laughs> or like expecting people to see people get up and walk out of the theater. Yeah. Not so much. Certainly had a different love. I think back in the day, because obviously, you know, until about 10 years ago, like nerd culture was like, not cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so, thinking like freaks and geeks, right? Which is obviously more modern and they poke fun and they, they exa you know, exaggerate a little bit. But yeah, like at that time period, being into Star Wars was not cool. <laughs> yeah, like being a nerd was not cool. And now it's part of the zeitgeist. Yeah. And just like, and such a big part of my life, you know, like, like mm -hmm. we said at the beginning, I have it tattooed on me. I've been collecting star wars wars toys and memorabilia for years and years like i just love it so much and i have so many good memories of the movie and its ties into my life yeah well and that's something to take with to our own art right like sometimes it's worth taking the risk and just doing what you want to do and seeing how people react and sometimes they'll love it like they love star wars exactly yeah and and maybe also um, 
plan ahead a little bit more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that way you don't have the two main characters, their siblings kissing each other in the first movie. <laughs> So we are going to talk about the other Star Wars movies, uh, not next week, but uh, definitely throughout the rest of, you know, in the near future. Um, so mm -hmm. stay tuned. Uh, if you've got thoughts on how we did this episode, let us know. Uh, our Twitter and our Instagram handles are the same, at SP Cinema Club. Uh, you can find us there. We'll be posting stuff uh, from this episode, different Star Wars things that we love. Katie posted a really cute picture from uh, May the 4th. Uh, on her on on the instagram for you to check out um but yeah plenty of ways to connect with us uh we will be back next week for another episode what that episode will be on we're not sure yet yeah it's a total surprise we're making it total up as we go along <laughs> yeah yeah that's what's fun about this see yeah. because we're doing what we love we're not planning on making any money off of it exactly so i guess i'm not really following my own advice of planning ahead huh <laughs> hmm. Hmm. gotta work on i guess but thank you all for coming remember to invite your friends and we love you bye